Here we are at the beginning of August 2021, and many of you are preparing for your kiddo to be back in school. Whether it's their first year of middle school or they're kicking off high school, you instinctively know you're crossing an invisible bridge once school starts, and you may wonder how best you can support them and yourself during this transition. Well, today's podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Ashley Chandler, adolescent and parent educator, and I'm on a mission to help middle schoolers and parents carve a more seamless path through these often turbulent years. Imagine having the beliefs, strategies, and support you both need, and feeling confidence and connection beyond your wildest dreams. This podcast aims to bring you these things each week by integrating the art, science, and soul of raising an early adolescent. If you're ready to elevate adolescence, Listen in now. Executive function is a fancy term that describes the many ways we become what I call the boss of our own lives. If you want to understand executive function better, make sure to check out podcast episode four, Executive Function 101, which is linked in the show notes. But for today, I want to share the number one executive functioning skill to prioritize back to school or any time of the year. But first, a story. I was arriving at a school I was working at about five minutes behind the bell ringing and I was alone and I was walking into the school and I noticed a fancy SUV in the drop-off area. As I approached the school doors, I heard screaming coming from the car and then the driver's side door whipped open. They were not aware I was there and What appeared to be a mom came bursting out with angry force, and then she whipped open the rear door and pulled her daughter from the car. Mommy, stop. I don't want to go. And that's those are the words that that came from the girl's mouth. It was so uncomfortable to watch. The mom angrily walked back to the driver's side and slammed the door, and the girl got right back into the car and shut her door. And then I heard something that made me want to cry even more than I already was inside. Get out of the effing car and go to school. At that moment, I wanted to rescue the girl. And the best way to do that was to report what was happening to the principal. I knew the student would get the support she needed, and I was relieved as I made my own way to the counselor's office, and I cried. It was just so um, uncomfortable and traumatic to witness, and I had to get it out. Moments passed, and I found myself also crying for the mom because I realized although her daughter was going to get some help, the mom probably wouldn't necessarily get the support that she needed. She was so stressed, so overwhelmed, so angry, And she took all of that out on her daughter around going into the school building. She didn't have the capacity to separate from the stress of the moment without reacting in a way she'd regret. It was almost as if it was out of body for her and she was being extremely impulsive. In other words, she didn't have the ability to self-regulate, which is to manage emotions, behavior, and movement when faced with stress, or a challenging situation. And honestly, I saw so many parents, and maybe you even hear yourself 
in this story. And there is no judgment because this is part of being a human being. But I want to offer something to you in explaining why this is the number one skill you can practice in order to really truly support your kid in transitioning back to school. So what is self-regulation? Well, I'm going to keep it simple today. So imagine a pyramid of executive function and at the base of the pyramid is self-regulation. All other key executive functions like impulse control, time management, organization, and so on all come back to strong emotional and behavioral self-regulation. When you get good at self-regulation, you become stronger in all the other areas. So self-regulation and self-control have a lot in common, but they are actually distinctly different. There is a psychologist and self-regulation expert, Stuart Shanker, that I've mentioned before, and he says, self-control is about inhibiting strong impulses. Self-regulation is about reducing the frequency and intensity of strong impulses by managing stress load and recovery. In fact, self-regulation is what makes self-control possible, or in many cases, unnecessary. So in other words, self-regulation is more automatic and subconscious. These are patterns and skills strengthened over time, while self-control is active and purposeful. Purposeful, It's more similar to a social skill. If you lack self-regulation, you act impulsively in an emotional situation. When you're calm, you can clearly see what would have been the better response. So as the early adolescent brain its prefrontal cortex is in full-on reconstruction mode. They are, meaning your kid, is actively working to build self-regulation, but frequently they aren't good at it, and their emotional center of the brain is in control, which means as the parent and caregiver, you have to act as the quote-unquote prefrontal cortex for both of you. You have to model self-regulation so they will learn to see it in action. It's the show, don't tell. So in order to model it, you need to actively practice it. And here's how. Number one, you must become aware of how you're feeling in each moment. You'll hear me talk about this a lot because it's so important, but it's practicing in the moment awareness, like sensory perception, moment to moment, being aware of your environment. Then realize what might be triggering or causing more extreme emotions like anger or frustration or extreme sadness. So in my own practice with myself and parents and students I work with, some examples include persistent, loud, annoying noises like, um, I can't help but say this, but one of my favorite silliest movies is Dumb and Dumber when um, Jim Carrey's like, you want to hear the most annoying sound of the world? I won't say it right now, but you get my drift, right? A persistent loud noise becomes stressful or increasing demands from work or home. Mom, 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 did you wash this? Mom, did you do this? When is that report going to come in? Have you gotten my email? So much pressure from different outside uh, circumstances or people or environments. Feeling rushed is a big trigger in my house. Impatience is a big trigger for me. Um, Or just people who are judgmental, another big trigger. 
So being aware of what might trigger you or cause more extreme emotions. The next thing is developing calming strategies for yourself as the parent or caregiver. You have to put on your mask first, right? So when you get upset, some examples might include separating yourself from the environment that you are in ASAP. Walk away. If that mom that I saw going into school, if she would have just gotten out of the car and instead of angrily gone to her daughter's side of the door and yanked her out, if she would have just gone in the opposite direction for a 30 second walk, it would have been better because she would have given herself the ability to get space from the situation and she would have been able to change the environment, change the energy, possibly take some deep breaths and then come back to the car and not acted so irrationally, impulsively and angrily. So that includes also getting outside, closing your eyes in that moment when you realize, hey, I'm super angry or frustrated, closing your eyes, taking a deep breath, removing yourself. So this is all so deeply connected to how you're processing information in your own world. It is not selfish to become self-aware. In fact, it's the greatest gift that you can give other people. No amount of back-to-school supplies or a fancy new wardrobe can replace the impact that strengthening your own self-regulation will have on the success of your kids' school re-entry. When they've got a big project, big emotions, or even a big failure, you are stable and you're present with them. And in turn, you're creating a safe, supportive landing place for them. And you rest easier knowing the base of that pyramid has a solid foundation because you're taking care of yourself. If you haven't already, make sure to sign up for my weekly emails where I share insights and insider info I don't share anywhere else. Remember, parenting a middle schooler is not for the faint of heart. And this example of self-regulation is just one of many that I give why taking care of yourself and supporting your own needs, regulating your own emotions, becoming ultra aware of what's coming up for you is the greatest gift that you can offer as a parent. Remember though, you were made for your kid and your kid was made for you. If you commit to showing up each day for yourself and for them, your lives will change for the better. Thank you so much for listening to the Elevated Adolescence Podcast. If you've liked this episode, please subscribe and share so more people like you can be elevated through these middle school years. It truly takes a village. Until next time, be well. Mm-hmm.